For the next four weeks, while we're engaged in this campaign of investing in the kingdom work here at Coral Ridge, we are going to be looking at four passages in the book of Nehemiah. So if you would turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1, comes after 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, you'll eventually make your way to the book of Nehemiah. Why Nehemiah, you ask? Well, Nehemiah was Jewish, but he wasn't living in Israel. Nehemiah and his family had been exiled. He was living in Persia, which is modern-day Iran. If you understand the story of the people of God, the great Babylonian empire had destroyed the city of God, Jerusalem, and carried the people of God into exile. Well, this exile lasted for generations. And now the Babylonians weren't in power, but now the great superpower Persia was the powerhouse of the day. Babylonians had come in and destroyed the southern part of Israel where the temple resided. The city was absolutely crushed. The walls were knocked down and the people of God were scattered all throughout the known world at that time. And about 160 years later, Nehemiah finds out that the city of God still remains in ruin. Nehemiah finds out that the walls of Jerusalem are still destroyed. Now to understand the significance of the wall, the walled city in the ancient world, the wall signified strength and stability. Without a wall surrounding the city of God, the city was continually vulnerable to attack. It had no strength, it had no purpose, it had no stability in that time And Nehemiah, who was now a grandchild of the exiles who were eventually brought from Jerusalem to Persia, finds out word and he discovers his life's calling. What is the calling of God's people in their cultural moment from generation to generation? Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanai, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exiles in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days, continued fasting and praying before God of heaven. And I said, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. And now I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. 
We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you've commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the people. But, verse nine, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcast are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king, and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Have you ever experienced something in life so bad that it caused you to stop and pause, and for your heart to be grieved, and for your heart to mourn? Have you seen something in this world, maybe even in this city, or in this region, or in this cultural moment that we refer to so often, you see something and you just know deep down inside it is not right, and it causes you to stop, and to pause, and to say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. When we go through the statistics of this cultural moment, when you hear about 712 young adults leaving the church every day, what's your response? Does it move you at all? When Nehemiah heard the word that Jerusalem still lay in ruin, that Jerusalem's walls were still broken down, he could not help but to respond. And it is the response of Nehemiah that we today are reminded of the sacred calling of the people of God for such a time as this. What is the calling of God's people? The first thing we see in this passage of Nehemiah 1 is that we are to respond as God's people with a broken heart. What happens to Nehemiah as soon as it says in verse 4, as soon as he hears the word from Jerusalem, it says he sat down and wept and he mourned and fasted for days. If the reality of what is happening around us in our world and in our culture does not cause your heart to break, you have missed the calling of God's people. Yes, there is a time for anger and righteous indignation, but if that does not lead to a broken heart that is weeping and mourning at the state of our world and the state of our culture, you have missed the calling of the people of God. Nehemiah hears of the reality of his world and his day, and it breaks his heart. No walls, no security, no strength, He hears the plight of his people. He hears what has happened to the city of God and how the promise of the kingdom of God is no longer continuing in his day. And he says, I must do something about it. And I ask you this morning, 
if the cultural realities of our day and the response of the people of God does not cause you to weep, but instead you're wondering, how soon can I get out of here? You have missed the calling of God's people. In order for us to move forward as a church by faith, I pray that it would cause you to weep and to mourn, to fast, and for your heart to be break. To break. I want to ask you this morning, are you passionate about what God is passionate about? Does your heart break like God's heart breaks? We read of a God who weeps with those who weep and mourns with those who mourn. And I ask you today, does the current realities of our world and our culture cause you to weep? And for your heart to be broken. This is the calling of the people of God. We must respond today with a broken heart. But not only do we respond with a broken heart, secondly, we see in this passage that in the midst of our brokenness, mourning and weeping, that we are a people called to remember his faithfulness. Did you notice verses five through the end of the passage we read? Nehemiah engages in spiritual warfare with God through prayer. He pleads with God and all throughout this passage, what does Nehemiah do? He goes back, he says in verse five, you are the God that keeps your covenant. You are the God that is steadfast. I hear the report from Jerusalem and it sounds like the dream is over. It seems like the world has won and the kingdom of God has lost, but he remembers his faithfulness. That is the only way the people of God have ever been sustained through difficult moments and difficult times. They are a people that have gone back and they say on the basis of your faithfulness, on the basis of your steadfast love, you have provided for your people from generation to generation and we are banking on it, God, that you will do it again. He's very honest with God in remembering his faithfulness. He's pleading with God. You can sense the anguish in Nehemiah. He says, God, I remember in verse eight that if we are unfaithful, you will scatter your people. Nehemiah is saying, you're just God. You are just, we have been an unfaithful people. But look what he says, but in verse nine, if we return, if we return, you promise that you will bring your people together once again for such a time as this. It is on the basis, on the faithfulness of God, Nehemiah recalling what God has done in, throughout redemptive history. When's the last time you've prayed like that? You know what our prayers are usually like? God, I hope they raise the money. I hope, God, you bless Coral Ridge. I pray for the cancer. Pray for my kids. When was the last time you got on your knees and you pleaded like this? Where you actually called out to God and said, God, you promised. We need more men and women praying like this in the church of Jesus Christ today. God, this is your record. God, this is your character. God, this is your nature to provide for your people from generation to generation. I don't care how bleak it gets out there. This is what you have promised. This is who you are. And if we return and make covenant with you, God, and we remain faithful to your word, you promise that you would bless us. And so Coleridge Presbyterian Church, 
on the basis of what God has already done for this ministry and for this church. We are saying, God, on the basis of your faithfulness, will you be faithful once again for the sake of future generations? We respond as Nehemiah does with a broken heart. We remember his faithfulness. And third and lastly, we enlist in the movement. Verse 11 The very last part of this passage, Nehemiah tells us something about himself that just seems irrelevant. He says, now I was cupbearer to the king. Who cares, Nehemiah? This is the point. What was the cupbearer to the king? The cupbearer to the king, to the ancients, was the second in command. This was the king, greatest confidant, an advisor. In the ancient practice, the cupbearer of the king typically, usually, eventually became the prime minister. And so what Nehemiah is revealing to us there by his occupational title of cupbearer to the king is he is saying, I didn't have to leave. I wasn't trying to get out and go back to Jerusalem. He's trying to tell us, I had it made, second in command. I had the life. It was comfortable and easy. I ate and drank and slept in the king's palace. There was no earthly reason for me to leave and go back to Jerusalem except for the calling that God placed on my life. And it was the cupbearer of the king leaving the palace behind and the comforts of this world behind where Nehemiah said in light of this cultural moment that he faced, I will enlist, sign me up. And he was the first to be enlisted, the first to sign up and say, we are going forward by faith. God stood before him and by faith, Nehemiah said, here I am, send me. And I ask you this morning, who is ready to enlist? I ask you this morning, who is ready to say yes to the kingdom of God and no to this world? To leave the comforts of this world? To leave the pleasures of this earthly kingdom? And to say yes to the kingdom of God and say, God, today I am all in. I enlist to invest in the kingdom work here at Coleridge, from generation to generation. It is the movement of God. It is the movement of the Holy Spirit in light of what God has done for us. Is this not the message and the response of the gospel that Jesus Christ left his heavenly palace and came down into the greatest mission field ever and came into the brokenness of this world and your life and rescued you? so that you could be a blessing to the nations. This is our calling and this is our moment because what would this city and what would this world look like if the people of God at Coral Ridge this day said yes? But what would this city and what will this world look like if the people of God say no? That is the option you have today. That men and women, boys and girls at Coral Ridge would say, I'm no longer content with the status quo and I'm ready to enlist in the work of the kingdom.
here at Coral Ridge. Eisenhower on D-Day, as he was leading the troops towards Normandy, he looked at the troops and he said, we're about to cross the English Channel. And it's such a lovely day in June. If you turn around, you can see the white cliffs of Dover. In just a few hours, we'll be in France. Champagne for everyone. No. This is what Eisenhower said. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you in company with our brave allies and brother-in-arms on our fronts. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of the Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and the security for ourselves in a free world. That was a great mission. But I have a greater mission for you, to be enlisted in the kingdom of God, to be enlisted in this great calling for such a time as this, because it is time for the people of God to be the saints that are marching in. Eventually, Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem and people are trying to get him to stop the mission, stop rebuilding. The dream is over, Nehemiah. The dream is over. They have won and we have lost. And Nehemiah looks at friend and foe and he looks them in the eye and he says this, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Coleridge Presbyterian Church, we're getting ready to climb the wall. And it is time for us to say, we are doing a great work and we cannot and we will not come down.